Hello, and welcome to Rebel FM, episode 219. I only got that right because my name's Anthony Gallegos, and my co-host, Arthur Geese, told me the number ahead of time. No jokes. For realsies. He, uh, joining me is also uh, <coughs> Mitch Dyer. I contribute nothing to this show. One week off, and you forget how to do this. <laughs> and and uh, the internet's Dr. Nerdlove, Harris O'Malley. Hey, everybody. I'm so, so glad you're here. I'm thrilled to be here. This Harris, is going to be... Harris has people, the most radio voice of anyone on this podcast ever. For people who are unfamiliar with you, Harris, what exactly is it that you do? Uh, basically, I'm a loudmouth with a blog who tells other people how they should be dating. Um... More seriously, I'm a dating coach and dating advice blogger. I tend to write mostly for uh, for guys and especially for male nerds, and try to give dating like dating practical dating advice with minimum bullshit and a lot of trying to get a lot of the toxic ideas out of it. So you're like a you're like a pickup artist? Is that uh, actually <laughs> former pickup artist? Oh, did you read the game and get really excited? Um, actually, yeah, because that. Uh, the, it's really, really actually kind of sad. Um, for the longest time, I... Sad cast was, begins. Here we go. Exactly. For the longest time, I was your, your pretty much your prototypical nerd. I had one serious girlfriend in college that turned into a, a toxic relationship that lasted for about four years. And then So after, about two and a half years longer than it should have? More like three. Yep. But, uh, and it ended with death, too, so I've got the greatest breakup story ever. Um... But afterwards, it was just my flailing from bad attempt at relationship to bad attempt at relationship and really came to a head at my brother's wedding where I was the officiant. And one of my one of our oldest and dearest friends is a guy I'll call Miles, who he looks like the love child of Rob Lowe and uh, Ryan Gosling. God damn. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect, and to make it worse, the nicest guy legitimately you'll ever meet. He can sing. He was on the high school lacrosse team. He was an actor in Hollywood. I mean, basically, he was designed for me to hate him. And naturally, he attracts women the way that cheese attracts mice. So he and I went head-to-head over the same girl at uh, my brother at the reception of my brother's wedding. And I lost so badly that not only did I not get with that girl, I completely missed out on the girl who was hitting on me. Because my tunnel vision was so bad. And I went back to my room that night where I found out that, oh, yeah, not only did Miles get the girl, he brought her back to her his room, which was right across from mine. Nice. So Yeah, so I got to hear them all night. And as I was sitting there crying and masturbating, using my tears as lube, <laughs> um, I, I had what I call my Batman moment where I said, you know, this can never happen to me again. And I punched how to get better with girls into the Internet and found... Uh, an Amazon link to the game, at which point it's like, "Yes, father, to sign, I shall be a pickup artist." <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, so my my thing about the game is that would explain to the audience if they don't know what it is, what the game oh is, like well, what the book is. Yeah, the book is about Neil Strauss, who is a writer for uh, for the Rolling Stone and for a whole bunch of other magazines, and he done he had uh, helped write um, like. I forget which which uh, hair rock band it was. Uh, um, he did uh, the long hard road out of hell with Marilyn Manson. Yeah, he did that. I think he also did like Def Leppard, one of the other ones. Motley he also did uh, fuck like a porn star with Jenna Jameson. Right. But um, he was you know the kind of the quasi, kind of the again the hapless loser type, 
and as he was working on something, he kind of stumbled across the um, the underground at that point world of pickup artists and mystery and all the rest of them, and started off wanting to like talk with them for an ep- article on Rolling Stone, and ended up living with them and becoming part of the scene and becoming you know, in his words, one of the best pickup artists ever. Um, I haven't seen him in action. I wa- I live in Austin. And I was here when Mystery was filming The Pickup Artist, so I got to see him. And uh, freakazoid that he may be. Yeah, God knows, he was going through chicks while we were here. While he was here, so. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the, the game is all about Neil Strauss's adventures while he was at, in the scene doing part of what they called Project Hollywood, where he, Mystery, a guy who calls himself Tyler Durden... Um, another guy who calls himself like millionaire playboy or something like that. Uh, they were all living in a house out in the Hollywood Hills, picking up chicks, living the rock star life. Eventually, Courtney Love moves in with them. Somehow, I I okay. don't quite remember how that happened, but it's really just all about his experiences with them. And people don't get that that's not an instruction manual. Like he talks a little bit about the techniques that he learned, but. People treat it like it's a how-to guide rather than a narrative, and that kind of drives me a little crazy. Right, because the so I read that book because uh, our friend Scott Bromley would always goddamn talk about that book. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know that he's ever like gone out and said that that book is good. He just talked about it, um, and so I read it. And the thing that struck me over the course of the whole book is that everyone is miserable. Oh, they're miserable. They're all, all the profoundly time. fucked up. Um, and even when they're getting women, like, they're miserable. Yeah, hmm. that's that's the other thing that a lot of people miss in that. Like, Mystery uh, Eric von Markovic, I think is his real name, He uh, he's depressive at best, manic depressive otherwise. Um, Neil has all sorts of, of self-esteem issues. Tyler Durden comes across as a complete psychopath. Um, <laughs> it's It's... <laughs> Yeah, you're, it's kind of like the people who watched Wolf of Wall Street and thought, I want to be like Jordan Belfort. Right. Because, like, oh, yeah, partying, getting bitches, doing drugs, this is awesome. Not exactly recognizing how, like, soul-destroying the whole thing is and how miserable everybody is. Huh. But um, for me, I like I saw it, and I was kind of like, well, all right, so everything that Miles can do, I can learn. And I actually went out, I did a boot camp here in Austin. Oh, my I found God, the, you did it. Yep. You did it. I sunk a lot of money into that. Um, I actually trained with a couple of guys, uh, a couple of really well-known guys, um, did a lot of work on my own, joined the local lair, and eventually eventually realized I really don't like who I am when I'm doing all of this. And just so much of it, I was recognizing, like, "This, this is making me a really toxic person. Like, everything I was talking about had to do with game. It had to do with picking up chicks, even if I was talking with my brother or my friends. Um, everything, like, I saw all my relationships with guys as being confrontational because I always had to be the alpha of the group. Uh, and really just turning everything into who, making my entire life revolving around being Harris Amelli, pickup artist, except I wasn't Harris Amelli. I had the pickup artist name like everybody else. And. Eventually, um, I was at a bar down in Austin, and I was things were going really well with this girl. We were getting ready to head back to her place, and I realized, even as we're getting ready to leave, I'm already planning how I'm going to get the hell out of her house. And that was kind of the moment. I was like, okay, 
I don't even like this person. I'm going home with her. I don't like... I don't really want anything to do with her other than to sleep with her. This is getting bad. And eventually, I, like, I got... I just kind of said, all right, I have to dial all of this back. And left the scene. Except I also really liked getting laid. So there, uh, there was a part of me that, was, that wanted to know, okay, how much of this is good and useful? How much of this is toxic? How can I separate the two? And keep what I've learned and that's useful, turn it into something better, something that's not built around really antagonistic models of relationships between men and women. And things just kind of proceeded from there. Hmm. So you, Man. you pulled up at the last minute. <laughs> Pretty much. And it's really, it's, it's kind of interesting because everyone I know in the scene, especially from the Austin layer at least, almost everybody had a moment where they hit the wall. And just one of my friends, uh, two of them had breakdowns. One of them eventually recovered from it. Another one went and uh, became Sufi of all things, I believe. Uh huh. Yeah, it, it it was an interesting interesting He's transcending. time. Transcending. Yeah. Wow. Like Man. I like he last time I saw him, he was happy, but I was just kind of like that that that's a real night and day change for you. Well, you know, rock bottom. None, I don't think I don't have any. My relationship history is way less interesting. So, well, now we know your qualifications. (laughs) (laughs) I deem you acceptable. (laughs) The rest of us are like, I liked some girls a few times. Arthur's like, I've dated some people. Me and Mitch are like, sometimes we hope for things, and then they don't happen. I mean, the thing about, like, here's the thing. The more someone has dated... uh, that means that they've had more relationships that didn't work out. Yeah. Like potentially a lot of relationships that didn't work out. And I've dated a lot and I've been in a lot of relationships, but clearly like all of them ended except for the one that I'm in right now. So yeah. well, and all of them do until one doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Or you die. You know. There's yeah. And there's, you know, okay. I feel like we should just get into letters or so we could sit here and have yeah. our own conversation. Yeah, too, we but, could, we could, but we promised people we'd have a sad cast. <laughs> and it, actually, I feel like it's going to be less sad because uh, Harris, I feel like, has he. We're like with a professional right now, right? So as maybe, frightening as that thought is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there will be less wheel spinning than than maybe like or we're like, well, I just. But now we can just do it. Um, we can wants, just lean on Harris and say, what? It, what's the answers? What is real solution? The goal of this is not to get people laid. The goal is for some real ass talk. Yeah, <laughs> which people uh, don't always appreciate. Yeah. Uh, well, this person who I'm, I won't, I'm, I think we should probably keep a lot of these anonymous because we get a lot of really heavy letters for this podcast. Uh, so I'm going to avoid reading names. Okay. Uh, we can talk about genders and stuff like that if we need to later, but uh, we can start with some serious real talk. This person writes in and says, How do you keep a marriage going when you move to a new area and meet a whole new group, group of women seemingly more interesting than your wife? Ouch. Yeah. Well, I, I, I am curious too, Harris. Uh, it, you know, once I hear your take on that, I, I'd be curious too, just about like a, I think like a bigger sort of part of his question that could be also extended for a greater group of people is like, how do people deal with, uh, you know, when they're in a relationship for a long time, they have crushes against, you know, with other people. Mm-hmm. Like I have a friend who's married and obviously he loves his wife a lot, but at some point the chemicals fade and you're no longer in love and you know, he he works with, like, a really attractive girl, and he's like, fuck, this girl's awesome in another life, you know, that sort of thing. But sometimes I think people have a hard time dealing with 
that feeling of like you know acceptable like oh i kind of think this other person's really cool too yeah it's well that's the thing i've noticed especially whenever the uh, it comes up with people have crushes when people talk about the whole like are we gonna like can men and women be friends because does attraction screw everything up and it's it's just kind of a case of like attraction doesn't isn't a promise it's not an obligation to go through with it yeah. Like, just because you're interested in somebody doesn't necessarily mean that you're now obligated to try to get in their pants. Wait. <laughs> I know. Blow your mind! Oh my God. I've been doing it all wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the uh, the guy with the, the eight years is a long time. I mean, there's a reason why they call it the seven-year itch. But there, it's, um, there's an unfortunate part of just being a mammal <clears throat> where... If you being with one person after a while uh, drains your interest in them and in sex in general, they they shown this originally in rats, uh, but they all when they would have like one male rat with a limited number of partners, eventually the rat gets completely disinterested in sex, and they put another female rat in there, and uh, suddenly the rat is really interested in the new female. <laughs> and we got some goes, science that's drawn. That's some primal yeah. shit, man. I think yeah. there's a name for it. I'm trying to remember what it is. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm trying to remember because it's like a. It's one of the. It's one of the former presidents. Um, was it? They call it Ronald Reagan. Roosevelt's? Or no, Wilson? it was like Hoover Bill or something. <laughs> well, this is great radio. As we all. I John Kennedy. I don't know American presidents. No. That's but the I mean, entire, that, so the, they've they've shown the, the the experiment. I mean. Yeah, but like it's it's the thing that happens, and that's uh, that's the, one of the things that I. My, Granted, my thoughts on monogamy are nuanced, um, but the big the big thing is that we are is that we're all sold the idea that monogamy is easy, effortless, and it's our default state, and it really isn't. We're literally not built for it. Like, uh, like um, there are lots and lots of books on this now that are very popular. Sex at Dawn is the one I heard talked about a lot. Yeah, that's that is the best one out there. There was one before that called Sperm Wars. Uh, which was good, but Sex of Dawn really... That's a, that's kind of, a more suggestive title. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but they're talking about like the same thing called sperm competition, where uh, our bodies are literally designed to be in competition with other males on the same female huh. by uh, flushing out competitor sperm. Wow. <laughs> it's called the Coolidge but, effect. Yes, thank Coolidge you. Coolidge effect. But yeah, uh, when you're dealing with being married to someone for a long time, yeah, the chemi- like you said, Anthony, the chemicals fade eventually. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't come back. It just means you have to put a little more effort into it. I mean, yeah. pa- like passion fades, but passion—it's passion's like the tides. It goes out, comes right back in. And the biggest thing is, well, one thing he can do. There's all these women in the area. Use that attraction to them to really kind of fuel his connection with his wife. Because um, the more sex you're having, the more sex you're going to want to have. I so, I think that hmm? like there's a sort of mechanical leap made in that suggestion that I'm I'm would be curious for you to elaborate on uh, as far as using his attraction to other women to fuel his attraction to his wife. Well, it's like uh, say going out and being dating someone who likes to go dancing and you don't like going dancing, mm-hmm. and they go out, they go dancing, they're you know dancing with a bunch of guys, they're getting you know getting their sweaty, they're getting sweaty, they're getting excited. And then they come home after having danced with, you know, other sexy guys, and they're so worked up, they bang your brains out. Huh? So it's I, kind of, it's, like it's one of those world. ways of transferring the, uh, transferring kind of the energy that you're feeling for this one person to the person that you're with. I see. 
And there's a lot of other things, too, that you can really do. I mean, one of the biggest things in long-term relationships is people quit trying. Like yeah. you get, it's, it's really easy to, to kind of settle in, and then, you know, at first it's all hot and heavy. You're, you're screwing on every flat surface in the place, and then eventually after a while you're kind of like, uh, it's kind of late, and uh, Walking Dead is on, and i got to get up early tomorrow, so maybe we can just put this off later. And, you know, you're, they're not wearing wearing makeup as much. You're, like, let, you know, you're not doing making yourself look good for them anymore. Everything's becoming just comfortable and easy. And going out and making, making like, you're having your first date again really kind of brings that charge back. Mm. See, Mitch, that's the problem with us. I told you. <laughs> the charge is gone. No. We need, what, we need to have a first date again? Yep, Fewer burritos. God damn I'll take it. You, I'm, I'll take you somewhere special when I come up for the international, Anthony. <laughs> oh, my God. No, you won't. You'll just be playing Dota the whole time or watching Dota, you dumb fuck. I was going to so. take you to the international. <laughs> yeah, I want to take you to this thing I have no interest in. It'll be a date night. It really is yeah. like a date. Yeah. yeah. Um, next, to Hit us up with our next letter, Mitch. Next Mitch- letter. Mitchell. Dear Rebel FM and Dr. Nerd Love. I don't really have a relationship question, but rather if I'm actually interested in men and women. For the past 20 years, I've had many friends with people of both sexes, and I've never had that feeling that he or she is the love of my life. At first, I thought I wasn't interested in females, but in college, I realized that I'm not interested in males either. I've explained this to some friends, but they said I just haven't found the one, and at 20 years old, I have a feeling that I'm asexual. Uh, I know that you guys can't really answer my question, but I'd love to hear your guys' opinion. Thanks from a medium-time listener. I feel like there's some mixed up terminology in this email. In what way? Um, I think that there's a confusion somewhat of uh, sexual interest and love, first off. Um, sure. And and that he's looking for, for the love of his life is a little complicated. Well, I think that it's, I think his friends have just told him, like, oh, you just haven't found it because you haven't found someone that's, like, that person that just knocks you off your that feet That person yet. who's going to energize you to want that, to feel yeah. that. Yeah. I think he's probably just using that as a colloquial, I think. but Could be. I feel like you build to that when you meet somebody. It's so rare that totally. you meet somebody, and that's, like, your whole thing right away. Yeah. Yeah, but even if he's not feeling, like, just, like, lust for somebody... That's you know reason to kind of wonder you know maybe maybe I there is something going mm-hmm. on. I mean mm-hmm. it could be he's asexual. There's also uh, another term I hear a lot these days called demisexual, where you don't really form uh, a sexual attraction to someone until there's until you've gotten to know them fairly well. Huh. And there's a there's a lot like more comfort and uh, familiarity. They have a name for that now. They have a name wow. for everything. All right, that's very true. It's it's like there's as many sexualities now as there are. Types of metal music, Mitch. You just got to try and keep up. <laughs> Anthony's uh, Anthony's actually turbosexual. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Post hardcore could be both, I guess. Prosexual. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, I I I, I can't. Really, sexual then? Uh, I can't really. Oh Jesus! I can't really identify with that because I've never really been asexual. Like, there's been times in my life where, you know, like, uh, I've always been attracted to girls as far back as I can remember. I can tell when it, you know, and it, for me, it's like I can also tell when guys are really attractive, though I've, you know, to this point in my life, never felt like sleeping with one of them. So I don't know. It's just like I can't identify with that at all. Like, I've heard the term before, too, asexual, and I just, it's hard for me to fathom that. But right, I don't like the doubt absence that it, of yeah. that, something that is so common to the core of your being. 
Yeah. yeah. So that it's just so normal as part of your like day to day, right? Like not being able to say, okay, well, what if that like wasn't there is really difficult, and it's not something that many people can identify with and kind of relate to in a way that is valuable in terms of advice. Yeah, I mean, to me, I guess maybe like I'm not imp- trying to imply that something's wrong with this person. It's just I don't know, like you know, I don't know if there's like physiological things that cause it. Who knows? Something, I don't know. Something wrong isn't necessarily what I would say. I I mean. No, like that is a that's that. a state of being for some people that they yeah. are not they do not have sexual impulses. Um, yeah, that's a biological thing you can't really compete with or fight against. So the way you're wired. I would, I mean, honestly, like as with most things that are not like considered the mainstream uh, understanding of sexuality, like there are places where you can find support for that. Oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying if they were unhappy with it, I'm sure there are certain things they could look at trying. Yeah, if, if, if they found out it was if, like a physiological thing. Yeah, if someone's usually if someone's questioning whether they're asexual, my my question is, does this bother you, or do you feel like it should bother? you? Sure, exactly. And like if you're if it actually does bother the guy, then uh, yeah, the, one of the best things you could do is at least go to the doctor, have his hormone levels checked. Maybe there's something wrong. Maybe it's something, you know, it could be he's his diet. It could be something, you know, uh, could be on antidepressants. When I was on Zoloft at one point, it killed my libido dead. Yeah. Um, or it could just be that's how he's wired, and he's, you know, he is, in fact, asexual. And there's a, a website called AVEN, the uh, Asexual Visibility Education Network. And, like AVEN uh, without the H. Yeah, it's uh, asexuality.org. Okay, start there. Hopefully you find your answers. Yeah. Um, we have a single father writing in. He was in a deep relationship. Oh, jeez. Uh, approximately four years ago. Uh, single now, and he has a kid, and he's cool with that, but he wants to meet some ladies, and he's in a rough spot. He says, I work at a college, but that seems inappropriate. Also, I live in the South, and gaming isn't where I would like it. Er, it oh, gaming isn't where I would like it to be in terms of popularity. So finding a girl at games is next to impossible around here, except for the younger crowd. How important do you think it is for two gamers to be matched up? Seems like a big one since it's a contributing factor to my last big relationship. I'm assuming that means it ended poorly because of games. No, I think I think he's just saying that or like it was uh, successful because of it. Yeah, like maybe yeah. they got along with it. Now to clarify, he's also 33, which is why he isn't comfortable with the college thing. Yes. And uh, and my, I think my first thing is that. Uh, you know, I, there was a time in my life when I was in college that I was like, I want to date a girl who plays games. And the funny thing is, is like most of the girls I've dated don't really play games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. and uh, that's always been fine. If anything, to me, it's like I dated one girl who played games. And, yeah, I had its high times where it was like, <laughs> you mean I can spend all day playing Wolfenstein and you're going to spend all day playing your game and we can just fucking ignore each other and not have to worry about that? That's cool. But at the same time, it's like there's something fun about dating someone who doesn't play games because then... You know, you it's not like they're because they don't play games, you're not going to get your game time. There's clearly going to be points in a relationship where they're doing their thing, you're doing your thing, you're kind of around each other, but not like in, up in right. each other's it's shit. It's that idea of like being alone together. Yeah, where exactly. One reading and the other one's like playing music or whatever. You can just kind of coexist in a space where Shh. you're doing different things and ignoring each other, but the presence yeah. there is enough. Um, I, yeah. yeah. I, I do want to pick up on something that else that's in his email that ties into this, which is at the end he says, The best part of gaming is sharing with your close friends. This has been noticeably missing from my life. And that sort of leads me to believe that he doesn't have a lot of friends in general. Yeah. Um, I mean, or you like should... close personal friendships with men. Yeah, 
you should join a club. And I mean that in like, I know that sounds really cheesy, but I totally mean that. Like, uh, like for instance, you know, I, I, I don't know where you are in the South, but you could even potentially start something like Seattle here. We have a place that does board games and they have like board game meetups a couple times a week and random people get together and just throw down and like, you know, the, I think if you were to look for something like a nerd shop or even put something, I mean, I know it sounds really scary, but if you put something out on Craigslist, I bet you there you could start like a group, even if it was people that just get together and play games or like a LAN party or something like. Yeah, start a, like a meetup. Exactly. Like that is becoming more and more popular. Like even nowadays you hear about like National Tabletop Day and everyone's tweeting all these pictures about their tabletop meetups and stuff like I'm saying that there's a lot... I think people are more open to the idea now of meeting up potentially with strangers. And yeah, it could be disastrous. And if it was, I would hope you would write us and tell us it was. <laughs> but, I mean, like, I just think that that's a good way, as Arthur said, to potentially try and reach out and find friends. Especially with your college scene. They could even be younger guys that you end up being friends with that maybe share that interest. You know, so maybe it doesn't have to be like that whole girl dynamic that you you seem a little worried about dating someone that much younger. But I don't know. I think Arthur's right. There's definitely something to be said there about sounds like you just are missing friendship more than anything. Sure. That said, I mean, if gaming is... This is something weird, right? Because, like, for me personally, I don't know about you guys, but gaming is sort of an inconsequential thing in terms of what I look for in a relationship, which I realize is ironic right now given that the person I'm dating is in the industry. Um, But it's not something that is important to me. I know it could be to some people, but... I don't know. I, you can find like interest in other things. I think it's more important that you find someone who appreciates and is excited that you like games than somebody who is willing to necessarily play them with you. Sure, or even someone that doesn't care that you play them, right? And yeah. understands that they're important to you. Yeah, as long as they don't like look down on you for playing games. Yeah. Or yeah. for whatever your geek interest is. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm currently scouring for another good email, so if somebody doesn't have one, please vamp. Vamp. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Hey, uh, here's a good one. Why are you guys qualified to answer relationship questions? It's a little like the Pope telling people to have babies, not pets. (laughs) (laughs) People keep Uh, asking. Ouch. Hey, the Pope has a lot of children. All the millions of of, of Catholics (laughs) around the world. You're right. Uh, You're right, emailer. We have no reason to be doing this. Goodbye. <laughs> oh my god. Send uh, in your letters to eat dash, sleep dash. Um, Jake writes in and says, Arthur, why is it that you call your partner a partner instead of your girlfriend or something like that? Just curious. Uh, because she's not a girl? Uh, and I don't mean... I Without going to the particulars of her biology, she is a woman, not a girl. And uh, as I've gotten older and spoken with more women, uh, they tend to find the word girl kind of demeaning and patronizing. And something I would prefer not to be to the person that I love is either of those things. Uh, so I call them partner. Also, it's non-gender specific, and I find that um, the sort of more that I move away from gender specific pronouns and things like that, that I, I feel a little better about it because so much of my everyday speech uh is gendered just by virtue of the fact that that's like our culture like it genders things like by default and that's sort of subtly oppressive in a lot of ways to a lot of people and i'd prefer to sort of minimize that where i can 
Yeah, although I guess to me I've never been bothered by the term girlfriend or boyfriend. Like if, you know, if if uh, when I've had gay friends and they like I we worked with a gay guy Eric and he was introducing me to his boyfriend and I was like okay it's his boyfriend you know it's just like I or you know someone calling someone the girlfriend that's one that I've never really had a problem with but I do get the idea Arthur what you're saying it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, going out of your way to cut out ones that may may be harmless because it makes that mindset easier to cut out the ones that could be harmful so I like I see where I, you're coming I respect from. That. I see where you're coming from uh, um okay so do, I, do you have one yeah oh. one writes in oh never mind I already fucked it up <laughs> <laughs> You want to read his email address, his home address, I mean, anything else he provided? Oh god, what's the time code so I can fucking cut this out? It was, uh, uh it was, it was roughly 31 30 minutes. 31 minutes. Okay, he says, I'd like to remain anonymous, please. <laughs> I have a question of sexual so again, Harris, when you hear that shit in the podcast, now you know we're not just I have a question of sexual nature in regards to my fiance and I. We have an excellent relationship. I am going to marry her and are almost completely compatible. The only real issues arise in the bedroom. Intercourse will start off great, but after a minute or so, she becomes excessively, sometimes explosively, lubricated. Uh, I'm doing my best to remain discreet in play. Great job. We, we love when this happens, but it does cause issues in that I no longer have any feeling where it counts. I get slight tickles along the sides of my um shaft but that is it really i can spend the better part of an hour trying but i can't get to the point of climax there just isn't enough friction we found one position that works in quotes but it isn't ideal as it requires a lot a lot of hard grinding that leaves her swollen and sore the next day and i don't like causing her pain think lever action rather than piston for the idea of the technique <laughs> Is he, like a, is, is he a mechanical really well. engineer? That- <laughs> I don't know. But he says, I have zero hesitations to spend the rest of my life with her. We've been dating for almost six years, and we're in our late 20s. But I'm concerned that I might be looking... this guy write the guy that wrote in at the beginning about the age relationship. Yeah. <laughs> he says, but I'm concerned that I might be looking at a life of subpar intercourse, at least on my side. Any suggestions or advice would be greatly appreciated. Um, Climax is not the most important part of sex. No, but for you know they they just like it's not but in his case it's almost never happening either right. ever for him okay so. who's gonna be the first to say anal and he said uh, yes if you were going to suggest <laughs> she doesn't like anal and already completely shot the thank you for playing down. harris Here are your i'm not consolation and he prizes. says and he says <laughs> i'm an alien and i'm not really into oral he didn't add the alien part st- i did <laughs> but <laughs> um hands hands Okay. Hands, breasts, uh, feet? thighs, feet. If you're into that, yeah. I guess. I mean, and I know that it's like there's like certain like there's like a like a, a you know a thing that's come across where it's never it's always cool if a girl has a sex toy but guys can't right and I feel like maybe like a flashlight. There's no dignified male sex toy is the problem. There's not. Actually, there are. Oh the, really? Uh, yeah, the Tenga, the Tenga line. They look like bath products, not like disembodied vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would, I would strongly suggest maybe they look into something like that. Like, if they can have sex for a while and then she could finish them off of that, maybe it'd be better and it'd be like more enjoyable for the both of them. And it's something they would use together, so he doesn't feel like he's just a sad person off in the corner alone or something. You know, like 
like my life but uh <laughs> but you know i just feel like that's a totally so that's totally an option like yeah, i feel like decoupling the idea of sex from like penis and vagina and going into just more alternatives like i said uh like like you said arthur hands uh you know tit fucking you like using her thighs rather than her vagina or yeah getting a getting a couple of sex toys can yeah. really do it the other, other possibility is um one thing she could do, even if she's really like really lubricated, is work on her PC muscles and kind of be able to uh, clamp down a bit more, which might help too, without having to go into the weird lever action that leaves her swollen and sore. Yeah, is that uh, like what Kegel exercises are for? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah i i would I will say that if you decide to bring toys into it, your lube problem inverts, and you can never have too much of it. Uh, unless it's like shooting across the bedroom, in which case that's probably a little too much. Uh, yeah, just if you're using, if you're going to do sex toys, you want to use a water-based lube, not a silicone-based one. Yep. Um, Get rid of those. Ears. Also, uh, keep towels and stuff handy. You know, yep. just because I've seen I've seen and heard of people that uh, that are with a partner that has that that they use uh, as silly as it sounds, they use puppy pads. So. That seems a little demeaning. Well, they're just, you, you know, if, if you're worried about, like, the... But the absorption the, uh, power, Arthur. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just uh, grow up and sleep on the wet spot. <laughs> okay. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, did you have one to read, Arthur? No. I got okay. one. No, just mix, <laughs> just mix it up. Hands. Hands are a very underappreciated I, part of sex, that's I true. find. I think true. mixing it up in general is a good idea, especially if you're it's someone you're planning on being with, as you said, for the rest of your life, right? I yeah, guess I mean, mixing it up is... Start experimenting. Yeah, get a little freaky. You got a weird idea, go for it. After you discuss it. Correct. Well, yeah, uh, you don't want to just bust that out on someone. Safe words. So, hey, yeah. guess what? We're going for the nose today. <laughs> So we're trying. Uh, we have a letter from a younger listener, and I think this is actually a lot of it. Like we might kind of scoff at some of the stuff he's talking about here, but I do want to talk about it because I think we have some younger listeners who might not. Oh God! Necessarily know any better. Don't, don't uh, listen to anything we just said. <laughs> uh, so this person on a watch a, list now is a senior in high school. So welcome to this. Uh, it says, uh, "Sorry, I will be a senior in high school next year. Three years ago, I dated a girl, and now I can't get over her." She moved away to another city after freshman year, but I still text her about once every three months. There has been girls that showed interest in me, and I haven't been able to get over this girl. How can I get over her? I have tried to delete all contact from her, uh, but no, I always haven't. stop myself with the thought, what if she comes back? I need suggestions on how to move on. Thanks. You, man, I, when it comes to situations like this, as I had to learn when I gave my Facebook info to a friend and had him just fucking... <sighs> excise people out of my life. Anthony, did you from the past email this to us? Uh, I mean, there's, like, I I had a hard time with this, too, and so, like, as someone who did, my best advice is you gotta treat it like cancer and cut out way more than you think you should. Yeah, and sooner. You think, like, I can wait. You know, it's fine. I can keep her contact information in my phone, but that's fucking poison. Get it out of there. Do not even let it exist there. It goes, every text message, it goes... Every backed up email goes. Picture, all that like, shit. Get rid of pictures. Yep. Yeah, it all I, goes. Yeah, also, I call that the nuclear option. You gotta. Yeah, yes, you gotta get rid space. of everything. 
because any any form you of contact you have with that you can get in touch with her. If you've got like you know her telegraph address, that is just going to be some way of like I need to hold on to this because she might come back. And the thing is, you're not invisible online. If she wants to find you, she's probably going to find you on Facebook. But holding on to that hope and just all those little reminders is really just what's making it hard to get over. You know how in the movie Aliens, they never go far enough to to get rid of them or to keep contact away? Just imagine that. You, this, this crush are aliens. And yep. I know it's like a dumb, dismissive thing that is really annoying to hear, especially as you're a young man. But god damn it, time heals all wounds, man. Like, you will get over it. It's... Eventually, you will realize that this is probably a fairly insignificant portion of your love life, and it will just fade away. Yeah, that's the part no one ever wants to hear because no one ever believes it, especially when you're in high school. Yeah, but goddammit, it's so true. Think back, like, <laughs> all of us here, think back to, like, the first time you ever felt heartbreak. Does that shit matter to you at all right now? I mean, the, the thing for me is that, like... Oh, God, all those years of therapy gone! Don't, <laughs> don't move forward thinking that you're going to forget about this person because you're not like that is always going to be a part of you and your experience and it's going to dictate form you your development but yeah i mean like letting it totally dominate your entire existence isn't healthy yep i just deleted as we did this just fyi i deleted all the emails of my last relationship that i realized i still had Wow, so. really? Just in the moment? We were here for that live? All the moment, you were here for it live. I, I had this folder wow. set aside in my Gmail, and I realized as we were telling him this, I had this folder called Special. That was just, like, archived, and I was like, that shit needs to go! So I did it. <laughs> you permanently deleted it? Now. Yeah, it, I d- It doesn't delete. have undo at the top of the window, does it? <laughs> I don't think so. I think I clicked delete. Okay. I didn't archive it. I had that brief. I had that brief thought though, where I was like, "Should I archive these?" And honestly, it's not like because I feel like I'm not over that person. It's mostly just that like somehow getting rid of those memories just kind of bummed me out. But I feel like it was still the best thing to do. Yeah. But you're not. A- you're not getting rid of those memories. I know, Arthur. You know what I mean, though. It's just like there is just you know that little is? bit of there's just that little bit of hesitation because. Not because I'm, like, like I'm beyond the point of holding on hope that, like, I'll get back together with that person or something. That's, like, not even a factor. It's more just, like, I don't know. Somehow it's just, like, making it, like, less tangible. I don't, I, I don't really have a good descriptor of it. Other than the idea of deleting it made me sad. I don't really know why, but I did it. This, well, like, this, we, the we terrible up, analogy like, I can come up with is that, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Oh, we, get, we get really attached to these little like sentimental things that we held held on to, like photos or letters or whatnot. And we 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 ascribe like the emotions we felt for that person to these mementos, so they kind of come this extension of it. So it's a lot harder to get rid of it. But when you do, and then you know, at first it kind of stings, but it's like ripping off a bandaid. And afterwards, it's like, oh wow, I I feel better. I feel lighter. Yeah, I mean, and the thing about the, I guess for me, the reason I'm just bringing it up that it felt weird to explore is just that like. I've dated other people and all kinds of stuff, so that's not even a thing, like, with those. But still, there was, you know, I get it. There's, like, some weird sort of just intangible sadness attached to it, just because maybe it's like you said, Harris, it's just, like, you're just, like, feel like in some way you're forgetting those feelings. But as Arthur said, it's not true. It's just now it's in your dome instead of on some dumb email that you don't need to keep around. Yeah, I had I recently had to go through and just like delete all of these old uh, text conversations I I had with people, people I dated, people I hooked up with, and there that was there was the kind of the similar feeling. It's like I I don't know how I feel about this. It's, this feels a little weird, 
And then that was kind of made me realize, like, I haven't talked to this person in years. I don't even know if they're in the same city anymore. Gotta go. Yeah. And just went through there and cleared out... God knows how many at this and, point. Like, just a quick thing. It's okay to feel sad about that. Like, yeah. You can, yeah, no one's saying you should. You can have emotions about this stuff. Just don't let it be toxic. Yeah, you can't right. let I'm, I'm saying like even text messages dominate your... I feel like... Even you, Arthur, who's in a relationship where you're happy and stuff, there could still be something about a past ex that brings up a momentary, like, oh, that felt weird. Sure, you know and, I mean? and if, like, like, if I had to think of one, I'm, you could probably think of the specific person. Sure. I could. Goddamn college. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, that could pop up and still give you that, like, if you found an old email from her. And it's like, you have no interest in dating that person anymore, but it still just has, like, that momentary, like, oh, that was some shit! And it just like you're like it makes you kind of sad or something. Yep. I don't know. When Anthony moved to Seattle, I literally tried to burn a box of things that he had given you. Are you a liar? Huh? Are you being serious? Yeah, I wanted to take that box that you had that you wouldn't give me and burn it. Oh. <laughs> at a certain point. At a certain oh, point. My, my box a, of sad memories. Yeah, and you put that box of sad memories in a box in another box, and I looked for it and tried to steal it <coughs> so that you could not have it. And it could not find To be fair, Anthony yeah. has a thing for putting things in boxes. So, yep. I mean, to be fair, Mitch, I, it's, I haven't really looked at it anymore. It's, yeah. It's, but, but it's like right. Inception, man. It's like you have that fucking top spinning inside that safe. It's just there eating away at you. It's there. It's just there the whole time, man. It's true, and sometime I'll take it out and spin it. Yeah. <laughs> no. <sighs> Shit. Uh, Gary writes in, subject line, be happy. Alright, thanks for writing in, Gary <laughs> Sorry we meant to keep you anonymous, this Gary This is pretty good advice I was thinking that like this would be a good yeah. thing to close on But you can read it now No, you know what, we'll save it Gary's email will close the show, we'll come back to it uh, In the meantime, we have to find another letter now Thanks, Arthur Does anyone have one? Um, a lot of them are really long is the problem And I don't know how to chew through a lot of them uh, Oh, this is a bad one This is a good one for Harris <laughs> Uh, it's the excitement you get when you say, ooh, this is a bad one, that it makes me nervous. It's, it's, not, it's, <laughs> it's a bad situation um, mm. that I can relate to, and you maybe can too. Uh, hey guys, no names please. I'm writing in because aspects of my relationship require some amount of discretion, and I'm not sure who to turn to, but strangers on the internet. Nearing two years of the girl I share a million interests with and love hanging out with. We've also lived together for 16 months. However, I know our relationship hasn't been great for me. I've fallen into poor habits and a negative lifestyle, hurt my work and studies, gained weight, lost faith, etc. Perhaps more importantly, found that we do not connect on many basic emotional, sexual, and spiritual levels that brought me to think ending the relationship is inevitable and probably beneficial to both of us. I'm also about to spend five months abroad in Russia while she goes abroad as well. It seems like an opportune time for a clean break and a personal reset, but there are complications. I bet everyone here knows exactly where this is going. <clears throat> She's long struggled with depression and personality disorders while also undergoing long, dark suicidal periods she had said stemmed <sighs> from the fear that I will someday leave her. Due to our personalities and other circumstances, I'm her only real friend and her mine. She is also a trans woman and will be spending her time abroad undergoing SRS, the potentially most emotional, scary, and exciting moment of her life. Beyond being afraid to end such a long and moderately happy relationship, I'm terrified of what doing so might bring about and, not, and of not being there for her as best as I can from abroad during this time. 
Would it be irresponsible or cruel to do so? I'm torn and uncertain what to do or who to talk to with talk to slash with about this. Uh, apologies for the length and grammar. I'm typing this out quickly on a broken phone. There are a lot of commas, but otherwise your grammar was fine. Yeah. Uh, a real quick follow-up, because this person sent in a very quick follow-up immediately after saying, uh, this is not meant to be a, oh, how will she live without me letter, because I have no clue how I will live without her at the moment. Jesus. Also, if it matters, she twice previously cheated on it me. It matters! It matters. It matters a whole lot. matters a whole lot every single time. Twice uh, is probably twice too many for that to be cool. Okay. This is not a relationship. This is a hostage situation. Yeah, yeah kind of. Oh, God. I don't even know. Yeah. Anthony has literally backed his <laughs> chair away from the computer. He's yeah. out. Um, That's a lot. Untouchable. It's untouchable. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. Oh, I'm out man. of my league. I'm out of my depth. Um, if this person, if, you're, if your significant other has um, family that are invested in their well-being... This seems like a time to involve them because it seems like there are much more serious issues even than your relationship yes. uh, with regards to their depression and potential potentially suicidal uh, mindset. So that would be a yeah, place to start. Yeah, my, no. my first question would be is how serious she is about actually being suicidal. Um, I've... I've had the, the, the hostage relationship where there was the fears like if I felt like, oh god, if I leave her, what's she going to do? She, you know, was never actually suicidal, but, you know, certainly said, like, gave the hints to me that, like, you know, if, if you left me, I wouldn't have anything to leave to live for, and what would I do? Um, a <sighs> lot of my friends have gone through that as well, and sometimes that's yeah, someone that. with, like, like, a borderline personality or whatever, just knowing how to flip your buttons. Yep. But yeah, if if she's genuinely suicidal, and admittedly she's going to be going through something, like some serious emotional, you know, not trauma, that's not the right word, but emotional transference. Yeah, just like momentous moments in her life that are going to be really affecting her on an emotional level. Yeah, um, telling her parents is probably the best thing you can do and say, hey, listen... We're probably going to break up really soon, but I'm kind of worried about her, so maybe you should, you know, really keep an eye on her, check in on her, make sure she's okay. I have a hypothetical uh, follow-up to this, just for the sake of, because we don't have this detail. Uh, he's with a trans woman. What if her family is not supportive of yeah, that? I is disowned her. <clears throat> I don't know. Honestly. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would, I would, uh, I feel like if you want to break, it's always probably a good idea to break, but I feel like you should still offer her to be there and support her i don't know and i feel like if she does imply that she's going to kill herself like i don't really have enough experience with this because i've i have had a friend that threatened this and i did get a hold of the family uh without their permission but i don't really know in a situation like what you guys think like at some point do you do you call the police or something if you really think they're going to hurt themselves like i don't know you know i don't really i well it um if they're both in college right uh, let's go back to the email. Like, I think yeah, you said like they're going to study abroad. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like Talking? It. I. So here's the thing. I think that <clears throat> yeah, studies. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, that this individual is going to need to uh, involve other parties in this. I think that there are resources, particularly for trans uh, <laughs> individuals suffering from depression, um, that that can help uh, individuals and organizations that can help and to do some research on this. Um, 
I, there's a lot of potential, and I don't mean to minimize or, or otherwise downplay these. There are lots of possible things that could be in play here, including things like hormone therapy before SRS, uh, in addition to depression and reactions to medication, in addition to hormone therapy that could play a part in this, as well as just like severe mental issues. Um, yep. I mean, the good thing is if if they're in school, they have access at least to some like psych uh, like mental health like opportunities that most universities or schools will have like a, a therapist, a counselor, someone in the in like the health department. Yeah, I would also still say though, at some point, like you know, no matter what ultimately happens, Oof. you're not necessarily responsible for everyone. Um, like, yeah, especially someone that's cheated on you a couple times. I mean, times. If, if it's going to end, if you say that it is inevitably going to end and you need out, I don't think it's irresponsible to bring it to an end. I do think that all. the challenge here is that this person may be <laughs> at a school in a location where uh, on-site services might be difficult to come by. I just sent a link to Skype. For the email portal login that the address from this came from. Uh, I don't actually know that, so now I need to check the Skype group. I don't know anything about America. I can't say what it is in the in the no, call. Uh, well, it's it's in a it's in a part of the country that you may uh, think is not necessarily the most understanding, not the most progressive Fuck. on trans yeah. and issues. Um, I think that you should go online and look for resources. Um, I, I wish we had a better answer to give. In yeah, this. I mean, I feel like we provided several options, but like I said, at the bottom line is that this person is manipulating you and hurting you. At some point, you have to do... It's not all about them, too. It is about I you. I mean, this well. relationship... I mean, like, if you've been cheated on, that's completely unacceptable if that is something you have established is not cool. Yeah, exactly. Like, this, as a romantic relationship, this is already over. Like, yep. as Harris put it, like... Yeah. As, as crappy as it might sound, this has gone into a much darker place than romantic relationship. Um, but if you care about this person and they're your friend, then it's it's understandable to want to help them get help. And I think helping them get help before they go abroad, potentially into a situation where they do not have immediate, physical, physically proximate emotional support, it could be really, really important. Like, this is a time-sensitive issue now. Yeah. The only the only thing that's going to be tricky is trying to walk the line between being the supportive friend and also maintain your boundaries as we are over, this is done, we are no longer a boyfriend and girlfriend. Because if, uh, if it is a kind of a manipulation situation, then the possibility of them using their using that kind of leverage on you to try to keep you around and leverage you back into a relationship is pretty high. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You want to do one more, read Gary's email, and give Harris his freedom? Uh, well, what kind of timetable are you on, Harris? Do you have a little more time? I got plenty of time. I would like to All go right. for, a l- for a little while longer if you guys have All time. Right, cool. Yeah, I just wanted to be Sounds a little conscious of that. That works for me. Uh, mm-hmm. A gentleman writes in and says... I- uh, I used to date someone here in the office. She was in a different department, but was the boss of many of my friends at work. And because of this, we decided to date in secret. We did it for six months, out of, and out of nowhere, she decided to go back to her ex, who recently moved two hours away. It left me pretty devastated, especially since we had a string of very nice date nights just before she broke up with me. You can imagine that the secrecy while we were dating and continued secrecy took its soul on me. I'd like to think I'm over the heartbreak, but I'm starting to notice a really ugly thing inside of me, even after a year of being separate. 
She was recently up for a job in a bigger market. I heard through a close friend who works in the news station my ex applied to, uh, and it seems like she won't be getting it. It seems like she won't be getting the job, and I'm feeling happy she will most likely be getting the downer news soon. Jesus Christ! So a couple things: How do you deal with working with someone in a professional capacity and who you dated and broke your heart? Also, how do you keep yourself from being so happy when shit doesn't go well for them? Jesus I Christ. mean, the Germans, the Germans, fuck the Germ. Hey, the Germans made up a word for this because True. it is not an uncommon thing. That's the bottom line. What's the people word? People feel that it's called Schadenfreude, and people feel it all the fucking time yeah. for people that, that they're upset about for one reason or another. Um, it's a fucking, it's a human s- thing. It doesn't make you step shitty. Step one but. is don't fuck people you work with. Uh, yeah, that's the big thing. You know, I've almost made that mistake, and it's it's a terrible and, uh, idea. It's 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 never it is pretty much never and it happens all the time. It's always a bad idea, and I still encouraged Anthony. I was like, maybe it'll work out. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, no, you should totally go for it, dude. It'll this is the one time it'll ever be. You should be a motivational speaker, Rich. Yeah, (laughs) maybe not a bad idea. It'll be alright this time. Thankfully, in my case, the last time I brought it up to them, they were like, I don't date people I work with, and I was like, okay, that's a good policy. So that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, how how much can you com- kind of compartmentalize yourself from this person? She's not there anymore. You can kind of take yourself out of the gossip loop. Seriously. Yeah. You should forget they exist as much as you can. Yeah, I mean, if, if this person's... If the thought of this person not succeeding brings you joy, presumably them being happy makes you miserable. So you should probably do everything you can to excise that person's existence from your life. Again, like ceasing all contact, deleting contact information, trying your best to not think about it. Just don't, man. Just yeah. I just don't. Find, go out and date people. That helps too. That's the other thing. Yeah. Um, also, maybe start looking for other jobs. Yeah, if it really is bad and you can't get your mind off of it, uh, I've worked with people where that has become something that they never gotten past. And it's always and then everyone knew that it was something they weren't past and then it became like a point of like contention for the way they interacted with each other or a point of contention for the way that maybe certain people were treated versus them and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It created a toxic work environment not only between them but for all the people that knew what had happened. That's some shit. Yeah, that that's the tricky part, especially when you're in a relatively small community, whether like whether in the office in general, just just the entire you know the the entire world of your job. Some are smaller than others and seriously seriously connected. So that sometimes it can be hard to avoid people. Yeah, it yeah. This is why you don't you don't fuck people you work with. Correct or date as cool as it may be. Um. As, as cool as it may be. No, as cool as it, that's the thing. As cool as it may be. May being the operative word there. As cool as it fucking may be, yeah. you don't do it. Well, if, if, you, if you really think that it's something, maybe one of you should try working somewhere even else. Even if like it works out and you guys date, imagine like there's no getting away from that person. Like Also, yeah. if one of you is promoted and becomes the other one's boss, Jesus, that power dynamic is terrifying to me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is one of the but reasons why in a lot of big companies, uh, people who do have relationships are told to go talk to HR. Uh huh. Yeah. Not that like yep. HR gets to say yes or no, but at least then if things it is break up, closed. Yeah. Yeah. Then HR can at least step in and say, okay, you're going to move over to this project. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I've seen I, certain people. I mean, there are people at my office who have 
a relationship with one another. They work in different departments as well, and it's fine. But if that goes sideways and doesn't work out, those people still have to come to the same place and presumably see each other, and that hurts, and that sucks. Dude, I'll put it this way. Like, like I worked with Arthur in the same office teams, and Arthur and I were not fucking contrary to popular belief. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and and even still, like those that was that was an example though, where Arthur and I never had any way, time away from each other. And at some point, it doesn't matter how close or how close people are. Like, you, at some point, you're just like, I could stand you not existing for a little bit in my life. It just happens with everyone. Yep. Even yep. when they're unbelievably handsome with a shaved head. Oh. So. I've just saying. Balls. I mean, create, creating space from another person kind of it makes you want them more, right? You create that yeah. desire by not having it. It's definitely made makes... me want Anthony more. I oh God, I want him so bad. Sometimes, sometimes at like twelve forty-five at night, I just get a text message that says, "Show me them Ari, balls." Your balls. <laughs> um, I'm trying to look for one that's a little less serious. Um, I think I have one. I, I, you know, I have one that's uh, general advice and not save my miserable life. Sure, that would be a good place to go from here. Good. Hey, gentleman I've also writes got in, one if you slow down. So. Okay, awesome. We'll come to yours next. Cool. Uh, a gentleman writes in and says, As someone who's only been in one relationship, and it has lasted five years, mm-hmm. now a lot of my friends and family have come asking us about how we did it. Considering our relationship started off as though it had come straight out of a movie, I shit you not, multiple love triangles, high school drama, college drama, and a happy ending... Usually we tell people, uh, don't do what happened with us, because by all accounts, this relationship shouldn't have made it off the ground. My question is, if you were in a relationship and people ask you, how do you get one of those? Is there anything else you can say other than just be patient and or don't make it your life's work to get a partner? Because people are losing their patience and I can't set up people willy-nilly. Thanks. Keep up the good work. So, Hmm. I don't know, how do you respond to people who ask, hey, how do I get what you have? Hmm. Well, start with you've got to be me, right? That yeah, that's the tricky thing. Is every relationship's individual, and you can't reproduce somebody's somebody's circumstances, no matter how hard you try, right? Because there's always that that unique thing that made them them and their partner them, and the way they got together. And you can't just go like, oh, it's not like Barry Allen reproducing all of the chemicals and then dumping them on Wally West, and suddenly Wally West has got flash powers too. Whoa. <laughs> I was keeping up with you. Keep going. That was good. Um, the big thing when people ask, like, how do I find a relationship? I, I just tell them, get involved in your life. I, you need to... The best thing that you can really do is get involved with the things you're passionate about. Like, if you're into music, go out and be do things that get you more involved in the music scene. Go to concerts. Go to uh, demonstrations. Learn an instrument. Take classes. Things that get you out and meeting people who are into the same things you are, and that makes them. Uh, that means you're going to find people who you're you have that fundamental compatibility with. You've got those those passions in common. Boom. That's what I agree with too. Like I think if you go out looking for a relationship, it's hard too. But sometimes they just they do just come out of nowhere. So it's more just about being open to it, but not. To me, it's uh, every time I've ever found a relationship, it was because I was open to it, but I was never actively looking in every instance I've ever yeah, been in Yeah, and I know some people who kind of make seeking a relationship part of who they, like, part of who they are as a person. It is the core of their identity, and that can be damaging because it's it's basically like a constant thing of, like, if you don't have what you want to have right now, you feel bad. Yeah, you're defining yourself by other people. Yeah. Being happy with yourself is a good place to start. 
Yeah. And the other thing is to just like even if you're doing online dating like OkCupid or whatever, focus focus just on like meeting people. Just op- like meeting as many people as possible makes means you have more opportunities to find the people you click with. Yeah, I, w- I that's the other thing too, is especially if you're doing something like OkCupid. Oh, the thing I've learned in my most recent years of my life is that I used to have like you know, I was definitely one of those people that, like, I felt like I had a checklist of things that were, like, deal breakers. And as time has gone on, virtually every single one of them is never a black and white deal breaker. Like, for instance, I used to think I could never date someone who's religious, but I realized I could date someone who's religious, but not, like, like uh, if we share... so. Yeah, or if we shared certain, like, be- like, beliefs that I consider that are important. Like, they can have their thing, and they can, like, do it in a way that is not, like, fucked up to me. Um, you know, it's like, there's basically nothing out there that I think you should rule out until you know yourself better and you'll learn that by meeting people who are unlike you. So. You mentioned OkCupid, so I want to bring up this letter real quick just to interrupt, uh, Harris's email again. Uh, (laughs) but I totally forgot we got this one. This one's good. I'm 29 years old and I live in a small town, so trying to meet people is kind of hard. I'm trying online dating, OkCupid and Match, and then we got other emails asking about, like, how do I use Tinder better? Uh, what is your advice for sending the first message? I always find it ho- I always find it hard what to say. Any advice would be great. Mm-hmm. I, d- I learned for me when I I sent plenty of messages that were like a fucking treatise, and it's never it's dumb. The and best you put thing it on the, is like, this is the one girl you're gonna and, get. And, the and, best and then no, the best thing is like find someone that's common interests and make it short. Like like you're shooting for like in my opinion like you should keep it like. Two times two a Twitter sentences. post. Yeah, two sentences. Keep it casual. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Don't I've spend actually... half an hour on it either. And also, God, don't no. don't sit there and go back and forth with messages for a long time. Exchange a few messages and then ask if they want to meet up for some. Yeah, if you've got or three or four messages going back and forth, you've got a good vibe going. Say, hey, let's take this out. Let's like take this out for coffee. Exactly. You don't want to exhaust everything you could talk about potentially, like as a fallback in the in the in the online messages. So. The thing I when I was doing online dating, I I had a uh, not exactly a cut and paste, but I definitely had a formula that I would use for my messages that worked pretty much every time. It would at least get a response. Uh, it was really short. It was just hey, uh, you know, my name is blah. Here's the thing. You know, here's a little bit about me. Uh, here's what I saw about your profile that I liked. Question about what? Question about something related to your interests, especially something that we share. Hope to talk to you real soon. Um, name. That's it. Yep. Short, sweet, personalized to the person, but you're also not writing the long, long dissertation of, this is why you're perfect for me. God has said so. (laughs) Avoid that at all costs. Yeah, and you mentioned something really simple, which is, I think, something a lot of people don't do, which is, like, mention something about their profile that you find interesting. Prove that you have read their profile. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Don't be, you hot, meat, penis. Also, don't (laughs) lie or exaggerate to try to get someone to respond to you and like go out with you because it will inevitably catch up and even if it doesn't like presenting yourself as something you're not creates a situation where you have to be something you're not which is like a recipe for misery oh yeah though i can't even fathom that it will always work i mean it will always fail it will always work well, I mean, no, it, like, it, depending on what you think work means, I mean, that's, in a lot of ways, that's practically what pickup artistry is. Pretty much. Um, There's, yeah, a lot of it is uh, trying to pretend like you have an interesting life and personality, and you're faking it for as long as possible. 
and you, you, not only are, are women not stupid, they pick up on that real quick, you can't maintain it for very long. Yeah. Like, everyone who does, it, it like, it, it's actually monumentally bad for the soul. Like, that that's part of, like, what all of my friends had to deal with and what I had to deal with. It's the way that we were doing it. It's just after a while, it's like, I, I've created this entirely fake persona, and trying to live up to it is exhausting, because it's not who I am. Hmm. Oh, and the yeah. other thing with online dating, uh, guys, no response is a response. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. I like that, yeah. Yeah, they're 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 not responding to you. Is telling you that they don't want to talk uh, to you. Don't th- don't badger them as to why aren't you writing me back, you entitled bitch. Say, oh, God, yeah, don't no. take it personally yeah. either. I yeah. I, for, I always take it as a response. You know what I mean? Like you maybe take it as too be... much of a response, Anthony. <laughs> no, but that that's how you should take it. Is like it's because and think about it. Like and I think about it because there's been times I've gotten messages on could keep it not responding. Right. Yeah, it's like it goes yeah. both ways. Like, think about why you don't do it, and then realize well, that it works the both ways. We talked about yeah, this a best. little bit last week, which is that the signal to noise ratio for women on online dating services is insanity. And yep. there's every like, yes, there's every chance that they didn't see your message, um, but that doesn't change the fact that you shouldn't like bombard someone if they don't respond. Yeah, yeah, just. Oh, I don't really? think you should ever bombard anyone. Just don't do it. Just, just don't, don't. Just do don't. it. Just don't. You're, you are going to be. You're going to be on someone's fucking Imgur. Just don't oh do it. God. Don't do yeah, you'll be on a Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> you'll be on. Yeah, you'll be on. Okay, Cupid is helltumblr dot com. Yeah, yeah, just just don't do it. You don't want to do that. Uh, one trick that actually helps really improve your response rate is, is to message people. On website. Sorry, hmm? you said one <laughs> one good trick. Uh, no, this uh, is to only message people who show interest in you. So if like they visited your profile and you like, then that means they're at least somewhat interested. Oh, Sending man. them a message is making them more likely to the, respond. Like fucking like psych war politics of messaging on OkCupid is <laughs> like a goddamn. It's a pamphlet, if not a novella. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, if someone keeps profile stalking you, then there's a pretty good chance. You're interesting, at least, or maybe you're so hideous that they can't stop looking. They can't look away. Yeah, I've messaged people before when I've seen they've bounced on my profile like a few times, so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I should also say, don't expect because you bounce on someone's profile a few times that they're gonna take the fucking hit and message you because you're <laughs> probably not that interesting on there. So. <laughs> the uh, the guy who hacked OK Cupid, well, hacked air quotes. Uh, actually did a really interesting thing where he um, basically figured out the most popular questions and learned how to answer them in a way that made him much more visible and much more compatible with the women he was interested in. And that's uh, a good way of doing things, is to dump all your current questions and start over. Uh, There are ways of finding out really the the really popular ones. Um, I've written... I've written one uh, article on my site about called How to Hack OkCupid, okay which talks a little bit about it without needing to get into the, the whole coding thing, where he tricked the site into thinking he was clicking through a lot of profiles, and women were then clicking back onto his. But it getting in there, just changing up all your answers, obviously keeping them honest, you don't want to lie about these things, gets you, uh, it makes you look newer, it gets you put higher on people's lists, because you've had this, all this new activity, 
And it also means that you're going to, if you answer them correctly in ways that make you more visible, you're going to show yourself as being more compatible. There's uh, there's a math algorithm that says uh, if you say something is very important, it's going to rank it higher than if you say something's not very important. So two people who have this question is very important are going to be more likely to match. The the question I would have is how do you do that without misrepresenting yourself? Because like there's it's sort of a slippery slope of answering questions specifically to get a different kind of match. Um, that's you you answer them honestly, and if it's ones that uh, you're not you don't feel very strongly about, you skip them. So if it's something like, yeah, so this is kind of important to me, then then skipping that one, because that one's going to kind of dilute the matches you have. Boom. Solid. Love it. Harris, hit me with your yes. letter. Alrighty. I'm going to have to email this guy and tell him I answered his question on here. Uh, I'm a 20-year-old man, and like anyone on Earth, I want, I'm want i looking for real love, but in the meanwhile, I don't mind spending some time dating or having casual sex. Here is my problem. I recently find myself quite involved in relationships with girls I don't like very much. Often I end up having sex with them, and then I'm the one who says, I'm sorry, I'm not ready for a relationship, meaning I don't want a relationship with you. Since I'm quite a sensitive person, girls don't expect this sort of behavior from me, and they, are always, they always feel deceived, which makes me feel oh guilty. Oh my god. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> the second problem is I usually date girls that I find easy to get, which means that I usually prefer hitting on girls that I know I can sleep with without an enormous effort, rather than hitting on girls that I would prefer but I perceive as harder to get. What should Stop I do? Stop being a fucking jerk. Fuck you! <laughs> Ugh! Yeah, oh, oh, it gets worse. Uh, oh, right now, I'm dating a girl. We went out four times, and I'm already really impatient because we did not have sex yet. I already know that I will dump her after having had sex with her. Is this mean? Yes! yes. yes oh, I want to punch this mean. fool in the face. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you... Should I stop it and rather wait for the girl? Should I work on myself more to be more secure? He's aware that he's an asshole. Yeah. You don't like yourself. And you're inflicting it on other people, you fucking jerk. You make oh, me God, sad. Yeah, that is the, like, yeah, that is a horrible that thing sad. to do to people. I mean, I can relate because, like I said earlier, that's how I realized that things were wrong with me. That I was sleeping with people I didn't actually like. I just wanted to get, you know, get my rocks off. Right. And that's a horrible thing to do to people. Like, there's, it, there's something else in your life that is missing. So, here's the thing. Um... If this happens and you realize that it's happening, that's one thing because you can, like, you can have epiphanies and go and, and realize I am not happy that this is happening. Why did I do this and sort of work on it? Yeah. And someone can get hurt from that, but people get hurt from trying to participate in relationships. When you make it a pattern, knowing what the result will be, that makes you a bad person. Yeah, yeah, and he's well aware that he this is his pattern. And, okay, first of all, yeah, the girl you're currently dating, dump her. Do not have sex with her. Dump her. You don't have to say why. Just say it's it's not you. It's me. That'll be honest. Let her go. And yeah. Start treating thing, people with respect. Please. Not only start treating people with yeah. respect. Take some fucking risks. Risk rejection, which is his big thing. Yeah. Yeah, he, he doesn't. He's, after he's hitting on the attainable girls because he knows that they're going to go for him. Yeah. This dude needs to be told now. Go get told now. Yeah, I see, it feels pretty see good a, sometimes. a fucking therapist. For God's sake. Yeah. 
I'm all about therapy. And honestly, <laughs> go out and get rejected a few times. Once you get used to it, it's... That makes it sound horrible. Once you've done it a few times, though, you realize it's not the end of the world. I See, I hesitate yeah. to tell him that, because this dude, his behavior is bordering on sociopathic. Um, and I don't know That's that true. his boundaries... Uh- like, like, what does this with, dude do when he's with hitting on people in public would be good? Like, is he going to be the guy that hits on the waitress relentlessly? Like, is he going to be mm. the dude that hits on the bartender? Um, I there is some stuff that this guy needs to deal with. Yeah, <laughs> not the least of which being not dating anyone for a while until he gets it over, gets it taken care of. Yeah, especially your current girlfriend. Dump her already. Do her oh the God. favor. Do not hurt her. That story made me very sad. So I'm going to read a very happy email from uh, our friend Yair. Oh, I like Yair. He's a... Uh, don't uh, spoil this, because he might be... His story involves you, so don't spoil it. He's from Israel. He is. And he served in the military there. He's had a crazy... Everybody life. in Israel All right, why don't you just stop the spoiling the letter here, Anthony? Well, <laughs> that's true, Arthur. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Yair writes in, and he says, I'd like to share my story so it might inspire others. I'm a 26-year-old med student for most of my life. This is a little long, too, so you're just going to have to bear with me. But this is a good story, and Yair is awesome. read it. For most of my life, I've been heavily overweight. It affected me for a long time. I was shy, insecure, and basically had zero self-confidence. I've met most of you in real life, so you can vouch for that. About two years ago, after having what could be described as the worst date possible, I decided that I had had enough. After years of trying every single diet out there, I put all of my efforts into changing and taking care of myself. Seven months later, and 106 pounds later, I was basically a new man. I started dating and going out more, generally becoming a more social person, and now I'm married to the coolest, smartest, most beautiful woman on earth. What I wanted to say to people out there is that might relate to my story is that nothing is impossible. Put your mind to it, and you can make it. Take it one day at a time, start small, and go from there. You'd be amazed how quickly you'd actually enjoy working out, especially once you start getting those compliments. For people who that have uh, families or friends that pressure or that suffer from it, don't pressure them. The change has to come from within, otherwise it'll never happen. When they do decide on it, be there for them. They're going to need your help. Uh, blah, blah, blah. If it... Wait. And if, and if I may also give some advice on relationships, talk, talk, talk. Communicate to your partner. Talk about stuff that bothers you. Talk about things you'd like. Don't assume that people can read your mind. P.S. Last time I wrote in, I was debating getting back together with my ex, now my wife. Anthony told me to talk to her about her wishy-washiness, as he put it, and I did, and the rest is history. So the lesson is, when in doubt, listen to Anthony. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> all of that Dude, is I d- really All I demand is that you name, you find the Jewish equivalent of Anthony and name your firstborn that. <laughs> That's the price. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Good when one day I will come for him. Dude, not only that, but he <laughs> lost a ton of weight, and not only did he lose a ton of weight, but he also got jacked, too. Super he just, pumped. like, being in the military just turned him into, like, a machine. So, yeah. He's now, he's now a super Jew. <laughs> super Jew. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Anthony. <laughs> I love that guy, man. I met him one time and could immediately tell he was like just a great dude. So. Um, um, I'm still digging for letters. I think I'm tapped out. Anybody so I else? got a question for you all because he mentioned the worst date ever. Yeah. Like what? What would you guys say was the worst date you ever had? Oh, Christ, 
Uh, wow, I killed this podcast. Dead. No, 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 no. I was just thinking. I think there was one time that I went with a, this girl, and I didn't know if it was a date. But she was like, hey, I'm going to San Francisco, uh, and you should come with me. I'm going to go get my hair cut, but after that we can get dinner and do all this stuff. And I was like, just the two of us. And I was like, okay, I think this is a date. And so then I'm, like, hanging out with her, and I was like, this is all awesome. And we're, like, listening to great music and uh, and talking the whole time. And then at the very end, she was like, I think you like me. And I was like, yep. And she was like, that's never going to happen. And I said, all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so it, But in the same way that it was brutal, like, in kind of, like, I guess you could say a bad date in that sense, it was also really great because her and I were able to remain friends after that because she was so fucking just like the she stoutest. should be on like, the wow. fucking bomb squad. She diffused your ass like quick. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, that actually helps that you did that so early because now I'm like, okay, and that and that you did it so definitively. Not I like, like I, I'm actually like really liking how she did that. Yeah, I mean, I I think that uh, for me, it's always worse when a girl like I need it to be clean. Like I especially back then, my younger self like. I needed to be very clean. So anybody that gives me like a, well, I just don't like you that way yet or something yet, something, anything like that, bad news. This girl was like, it will never happen. And I was like, okay, integrating <laughs> that into my being, it will never, never. And that is a thing now. So it helped me to move on, right? Like very fast, you know? So, uh, that was my worst date guys. I don't I feel know. Like, I don't know. Like the, the worst experience I ever had, like the worst I've ever felt at the end of a date was like, for two hours, we, like, got coffee and walked around and talked a lot and had, like, really good conversations. And I feel like, okay, cool, the chemistry's really good here. Something's going on. This feels good. And then at the end of it, she's like, all right, well, I'm going to go, and then shook my hand. And I was like, all right. Yikes. That's, that's the end of that. Yikes. <laughs> Not even the hug, just the, the handshake. That, yeah, that was as clear as, like, never going to happen. I was like, all right, thank you. Have a have a great day, ma'am. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know that I've, I've had I mean, a bad date like that. Well, isn't Arthur's world perfect? No, I'm just like, there have been times where I'm like, I feel like I'm really wasting my time on this yeah, date. Those okay. are the worst, That's where you worst. just like, you feel like, well, those are hours of my life I'll never Yeah, like that. a couple yeah. of years ago, I was like in the middle of a crazy work deadline thing, but I made time to go out to meet this girl, first of all, at a bar, which I hate, because I don't drink, and bars are awful for talking to people. Fault um, number one. So, but I, and it was like Going way off BART in San Francisco. So it was like a fucking 15 or 20 minute walk to get to this you shitty bar. This person. Um, and I go and we talked for like an hour and she's like sick and like dragged herself out to go to on the state, which is just like, oh, it, like there are so many reasons that this never should have happened. And like, so she leaves after an hour, like at like because the conversation had basically stopped at that point, and like I'm clearing up the tab because I don't know. Uh, and then on my way back to to go home uh, and work some more, like after this crappy date, she's like, "Yeah, I don't didn't really feel anything." Uh, so you know, like if you want to do the friend thing, we can try that. But I don't think this is going anywhere. I didn't respond. Any enthusiasm? I didn't respond because like I agreed with her, but I wasn't really particularly interested in being friends with her either. Um, so I just like I've just had dates where I felt like I was wasting my time, um, and not because they wouldn't fuck me, but just because like there's absolutely no connection there, and time was it's such a. A, a rarity like it was such a commodity that 
Like it felt like I had just wasted like a bunch of time out of my day for something that meant nothing. Like there wasn't even any yeah. personable conversation. Um, and there are other times where like I've gone out on a date with somebody and things seemed cool and it seemed like there was promise for for it to be something and then we went on a second date and it ended sort of awkwardly and that's when you go into the make or break territory of the third date because if there's not like a kiss or some sign of intimacy at the third date like that is not happening and the whole like third date just like uh how do we feel about this i don't know uh all right we're not even gonna hug at the end of this we're just gonna walk in opposite directions uh <laughs> um yeah so it's it's like ever since my 20s it's very rarely been like flat out rejection it's just been like the mutual conclusion that this is a waste of time yeah and those are always bummers. yeah I, I, those are bummers but even the bigger bummers are when it's not mutual so yeah i was gonna say one of the, the big the big bummers for me were uh when i first moved to austin and i would meet up with people i met from various online dating sites and i thought we had something amazing and the other person didn't and di- gave me the soft no because you know, women are socialized to to re- reject people softly, kind of let you down easy because they don't want to really be hesitant murdered. language. <laughs> exactly, uh, but I at the time didn't recognize that, so I just thought that I I thought it was just a kind of just like oh I like you but I'm busy, and then I end up like being the guy who's clueless and just kind of poking him, going like hey hey let's go out hey hey let's go out. The the one that got especially bad was we, one of them. We were friends on Live Journal, oh, no. and she, yeah, yeah, she wrote like wrote an art thing about like guys who don't get the hint, and I was just like, oh shit, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, unfriend. I mean, like, go home. I'll ask in hindsight, uh, based on this, is in hindsight, do you feel like it wasn't? their company that you were bummed at, but just the fact that you were lonely and you didn't have some way to abate that? Pretty much. Um, at the time, I was lonely and I was in a, I was in a point where any girl who I, like, I went on a couple of dates with and had semi-decent chemistry with, I, I would imprint on them like a baby duckling and would think... Um, <laughs> I share that with you. Yeah, it wasn't quite like what I call one-itis, um, where you start thinking that they're the one. Uh, although, God, I had an awful relationship that I had a nasty case of one-itis that took me years to get over. But it was just kind of along the lines of, like, it was less that I bummed about not getting her and more that I don't have right. anyone. Yeah, and that's... Like, once you get enough distance to realize that, I think it gets easier to deal with that stuff. Like that the hurt is not person specific so much as just like loneliness. Yeah. And also blowing, blowing things up in your mind and making stuff way bigger than it actually is and not recognizing things. It's like that. If there is one thing that going through pickup really taught me is being much more aware of what people are actually saying, being better at picking up on, especially on social cues, but just on, being better able to tell who's having a good time, who isn't, not being so lost in my own idea of how this is going to be and how awesome I'm having, that I'm not really kind of aware of the the checking the phone, looking at the watch, kind of looking around, trying to find, like, excuse to go talk to someone else. 
So that that a lot, learning a lot of being more aware of other people, less stuck in my own head and my own bullshit, made me a lot happier because I wasn't confusing things so much. That makes sense. Uh, man. Well, does anybody else have anything else? I didn't see anything else. That shit you got go real. Go back to Gary's question. Should we close with Gary? Uh, Gary had a comment, not a question, but I think it's a good one to end on that we touched on a little bit. Gary, do you want me to do it? Anthony typically closes with our hippy dippy shit. <laughs> okay, I'll, are we talking about Gary yep. Swallow? He's yeah, written into the man. podcast okay. before, I believe. Gary Swallow, G Swall. He's written in a lot. <laughs> G Swall. Uh, Don't let the name fool hey, you. It's actually okay advice. Uh, that's well. It, that's part of his email. Yeah. That's why I said that. I didn't just. I didn't just. No, no. That's his email. G Swall. G Swall. So he says, Dear Rebel Offense. Listeners. Words of advice for the listeners. Make sure you're happy with yourself before you even start looking for someone else who also makes you happy. And I will say that that is a laudable piece of advice. But, it, you know, try and... I think it is... That is the goal, right? It's like a... It's a very hard-to-attain goal, and likely your version of it won't be exactly perfect. But that should be the post mark that you fucking you shoot for so because i would say i'm not always happy with myself but i am trying to look for someone who, who also makes me happy but that is not my happiness you know what i mean like that's the important thing i would like someone who compliments me and and finds ways that make me happy like obviously that's the th- that's something i want that makes me feel like a more complete person and balances me out but man he's so right if you just hate yourself all the time they're gonna you're gonna hate yourself more with this other person probably eventually so <sighs> gary you're good bringing man. it home um well i guess we should uh we should close out here uh if you want to man it's been a it's been a while since i did this i only you took a week I off and you. i'm, I'm falling you. apart I'm falling apart. I guess we know Mitch. what kind of job uh, you won't be applying listen, for. Listen, you still have a job to do here, okay? Step your fucking game up. Okay, sorry. Um, okay. So the bottom line is this. You can send in your letters to us at, at uh, letters at eat-sleep-game.com. And then you can find us all on the internet, too. Uh, I'm at Twitter at Chuff Money. And I have a LinkedIn profile if you want to find it there and give me a job. Uh... <laughs> Mitch is at Mitchy D, and he he does work for IGN, where he writes a bunch of news and does videos and appears on podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Arthur's Twitter is A-E-G-I-E-S, and he does work for Polygon, where he's the reviews editor. So he writes a bunch of reviews. He edits the hell out of reviews. He records VO with his head covered in his apartment so that it doesn't pick up background audio. He's a trooper. Um, although now I guess you have an office, so you can do that too. Um, and then Harris is... Uh, at Dr. Nerdlove, mm-hmm. and it's just DR, not fully written out doctor. Um, and then if you want to, you can also check out his website. It's drnerdlove.com. So what while website. this is just something we do with Harris right now, this is something Harris is doing all the time. So, And I was reading his website while, a little bit while we were recording, and there is a lot of stuff there covered. Yep. So. That's a... Uh... Your piece about male companionship made me miss Anthony dearly. You also have a <laughs> monthly column on Kotaku, right? That's true. After yeah, uh, bi-weekly. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so every other week I've got to ask Dr. Nerdlove question. 
So people who want to write in for that, send it in to doc, D-O-C, at drnerdlove.com, spell out doctor, and uh, put Kotaku in the subject. Right on. Well, I guess we're going to get going. Uh, my final word of advice for you is this, that a job is not the end-all be-all of happiness, but it sure helps. And, uh, yeah, that's it. We're done. Thanks for joining us, Harris. I really do appreciate it. I hope you have fun. Thanks for having me. I've been listening to you guys since the beginning. We're very sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And with that, we are done.